Love getting your Legend of the Five Rings podcast fix? Head to patreon.com slash strangeassembly to find out how you can support the show. This is Strange Assembly episode 171, PADS. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Hello. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Today is an L5R story episode. I actually have been to a Kote. Not that I did any good, but we're not going to talk about that. Today we are talking about the story paths, the Onyx Edition stuff, all of that goodness. We're going to talk about what each of the clan's options are. We're going to talk about what we think those clans will do, and we will talk about what we think those clans should do, which I'm sure will greatly shift the tides of public opinion. Right, Jay? That's how it works? Uh, Sure, I'll leave you to your delusion. <laughs> so I guess I have to ask you, Jay, before I, I say do, does my voice sound different? Because it's been kind of shot for a week and a half now, but maybe it's getting to the points where only I can tell the difference. You sound a little hoarse, but not. Okay. If you hadn't mentioned it, I wouldn't have uh, yeah. realized. Yeah, I got sick like a week and a half ago, and then I was ravaged by socializing at the South Carolina Cote. And more of the story: don't get sick. Yes, that helps. Usually, I'm fine at the start of the Cote. Then, because I'm like running the Cote, I yell and and such, and that tears it up. But no, no. Just fun. So, there's going to be some summarizing of what's going on, but we are not going to endeavor to just quote or read all of the path information to you. So, you can go to L5R.com and, and check that out if for some reason you haven't. But the generalities are that we know that in some way, uh, at the start of Onyx Edition in 2016, Kenpeki will have broken the seals to Jigoku, thus merging Jigoku in some sense with Rokugen, and taking over the Empire. And this this will be a done deal. And so it's then going to be basically about how the clans respond to this. I guess the first thing I should note is that I'm actually perfectly fine with this if they follow through on the spider choice. I I've seen a couple people complain about, oh, Spider getting win automatically, but I've seen more people complain about the possibility of people complaining about that. <laughs> oh, the internet. Yeah, well, it it's partially because it's the... It depends on what narrative role they end up putting the Spider in, right? Sure. It's absolutely standard practice for a big bad to launch an arc with a massive stroke, right? Gold Edition, where did that start off with? Oh, Daigatsu murdered Tatori. Diamond Edition started off with the Reign of Blood. Granted, Yujiban never did anything else of any sort. Did he do anything else after the Reign of Blood? It's it's like step one, Reign of Blood. Step two, uh? Step three, uh, die. He took a nap? <laughs> Wasn't there the bit where he got horribly confused by Yajindin going, hey, what's that over there? I, I I don't know, but that's not that clearly was not his plan 
Right. So. Oh wait, no. I remember what each of them did. He also was like to prove how cool I am. I got to shoe. Yeah, we had sort of Shadowlands Civil War things right. for a, a bit there. A- anyhow, so I, I think that's actually fine, so long as they follow through on the the spider choices. So the the spider and the mantis have the biggest impact from this immediately. So we'll we'll start with those. So the the spider choices as presented are basically it, it, there's embrace the darkness, which is go along with Kempeki and but then at whatever point in time it is that Ken Pecky falls and you know Jigoku and Rokuken unmerge, we we assume that this will happen at some point. There's a good chance it will probably happen after two years, because that's usually how these things go. I guess it could only be a year, but it's not gonna be less than that. Then the Spider Clan is done. At least as an official grade clan, right? The Shadowlands horde would be the faction. Right, right. They go back to hoarding it up. The other option is walk in the light, which is essentially the spider reject Jigoku and say, this is not the way to do it. They, Despite being called walk in the light, it, they are in no way, shape, or form good guys. Other than that, they don't even give up trying to take over the Empire. But they do give up the Jigoku thing. And that's their other official path. And so, as presented, the paths either end up with Spider not a great clan or Spider not Jigoku. So either one of those helps resolve issues that have been in the setting because of the spider being around as a great clan. And also narrative things, right? It doesn't really work to just story team fiat a normal faction to be all of a sudden they took over the empire and there was nothing that anybody could do to happen. Ha ha ha. Right? Like people would not really accept that. Oh, but a Shadowlands Horde style thing, sure, whatever, you can do that. That's how it wants, because you're purely an antagonist faction. I, I don't know. Do you, you disagree with any of that, Mr. Earl? No, I agree. I mean, that was. Wasn't that used to be one of your problems with the Spider Clan, was that they were coming from those roots of the antagonist, so they could get away with lots of things that they shouldn't be getting away with as a non antagonist faction? Yes, I think that's fair to say that they are our narrative doing two things and and honestly some of the complaints from spider players still feel like they come back to that place that there have been a small number of spider players who have complained well this is ridiculous we're we're never going to get to permanently take over rogue again because it's going to be 8 versus 1 and then we're going to end up failing again. And I I just cannot imagine sitting back... Let's just go back to Clan Wars. A Shadowlands Horde player going, Oh, this is so unfair. Mm. We're one of 12 factions. We only have a one... Or however many it was. We only have a one in right. in 12 chance of winning on the Day of Thunder. We're, we're certainly going to lose. This is not fair. And, right? That's, that's not what the Horde does. You even had Todd Rowland, who was the L5R brand manager who put into place the Spider Clan come on and and advocate for the spider clan going back to the horde and that was one of the things that he said is that you know just basically is go back to the objective of the faction being mess up other people's stuff right it's not a faction that expects to quote unquote win in some sort of permanent sense and so i, I think that's kind of a weird expectation 
right? No, no other faction has a long-term goal in that sort of way that is so antithetical to everyone else. Any faction, spider or otherwise, that has as a long-term goal, I'm going to take over the Empire and rule over all the other clans, should really uh-huh. never expect that to happen. Right. And the, if they try for it, they get the ancestral sort of the Huntai in their gut, right? Uh, yeah, something that's, like that. That's how we historically deal with these things, right? Yes. And then apparently you get redeemed and become a fortune, mm-hmm. despite being a horrible, horrible human being. And a horrible Rokugani, because those two things are not necessarily the same. Okay, so first thing, what will they do? Out of the official paths, they will embrace the darkness. Hands down. There is absolutely no chance that in a head-to-head vote, Walk the Light will be to embrace the darkness. It will not happen. I think that there is some chance that they will deem there to be enough Walk the Light people. I think there's actually a good chance that they will deem there to be enough Walk the Light people to have some sort of splinter, that there will be some portion of the spider in story that will separate out. Sure, I mean, I think especially after Winter Court, you're seeing a lot more of that pure spider hanging around uh, that aren't all about the Horde. Yes, and that, even that that's kind of been an interesting point of contention that you've seen in the discussions, is that people are like, oh, but Winter Court 4 showed how the spider can fit in, into the, and it's like, well, yes, but they did that by effectively disowning all of the other stuff, right? That is the the, the walk, right, walk, walk the light path. thing. Yeah. The other thing is that, right now, this is just my opinion, right? Yeah, yeah, there, obviously, there's no way to, to count noses on this, but I suspect that as much as, if you look on the spider forums, the walk the light doesn't get anywhere close to the other options, as far as the term of support goes, it is my estimation that that actually substantially overestimates the support for walking the light amongst the overall population. And it also, to the extent that this ends up influenced by CCG results, and we don't know exactly how these things are going to combine together, I think that when you look at the top-notch spider tournament players, you're then tipping it even further to... Right, I mean, that is definitely one of the things is that it depends on how it goes, because I seem to recall traditionally what happened is the, what we're now calling Walk the Light Spider are a much larger percentage of the community than they are in the tournament wins, that the the heavy performing Spider are a lot more Horde than they are Walk the Light. Yeah, what we saw in the... The Empire's Glory Mega Game, which was, and I'll talk about this a little, we should talk about this a little bit more, a distinctly different set of options. But that set of options was Horde, which turned out to be more of a Kali Moz Horde sort of thing, or Become a Great Clan. And that ended up being won by Become a Great Clan, the Become a Great Clan side, but frankly, that was in no small part because of the voting that was done online, where during the early map game, they were able to donate points to the Empire to build up a buffer. If you just looked at the CCG results, the Spider would never have become a great clan in the first place. I found that interesting because people who remembering every little random opinion of mine may remember that what I thought they should do with the 
the spider to make them be a great clan was to take Fu Lang, who was then purified because we knew he had been kicked out of the heaven out of Jigoku by Kali Ma, and he was no longer tainted. And you could take him and put him back in Tengoku as an untainted. He's a Kami. He is a sibling of the other Kami. And even though he is evil, as we would see that, and probably dishonorable, he is still a Kami. And he would be entitled to a clan in the same way, and an untainted spider could have been that clan. And uh, I guess it was Walsh, uh, who is the, the brand manager who did the initial development work on Empire's Glory, I guess, but then left the company fairly quickly, posted about this on the spider forums, again, in the context of this discussion. And he basically said that was what his his original intention had been something like, Daigatsu follows Fu Lang into becoming a new untainted great clan, or the spider just go back to being the destructive force trying to destroy the empire from the outside. And that after he left, that ended up becoming this horde or great clan, this this thing that, to me, and apparently possibly AEG has now concluded as well, produced these narrative problems by having the evil monster faction be a great clan. Although it's a bit, it's a bit odd. I one of the story team members actually said something on Facebook about like, oh yeah, we've been working to do this Onyx stuff since, like, we've been working on this since 2012, and I'm like, wait a minute, that was the year after the Spider became a great clan. So, they basically had already decided almost immediately after the Spider became a great clan that in a few years they were just going to have the Spider take over. I don't know what they had intended, exactly what form they had intended to take then, but sort of like they... Either they quickly came to realize that it wasn't going to work, or they weren't really trying to make it work. And I think, I don't think it was the latter, because I also know that I, you know, I talked to story team people at the time. We were talking about like, oh, they were looking forward to making, to you know, figure out how to make the spider work. They didn't succeed, but so that that's sort of gratifying, and that oh, the original plan was actually this thing that I wanted, and then also really frustrating, and like oh, but then you changed it. Sad. But I think it's interesting in the course of those discussions of what the spider are going to end up doing. There seem to be a number of sort of misconceptions either way. You know, there's people who who want the embrace the darkness side who are saying, oh, there's it's dumb to walk the light because there's no way that the Empire will ever accept us, even if you walk the light, which I, I think is patently untrue. Just, just not correct. I mean, especially if you actually got rid of the official clan goal of taking over the Empire, there's plenty of room for a dirtbag faction. And they would still be a dirtbag faction. I mean, they're still not nice people. Right. I think focusing the clan around things like Shoridu, where it's, you know, they're the clan that's entirely out for themselves, and they're promoting this philosophy that's antithetical to Bushido in that it's yourself versus society that's definitely a room for interesting stories while still retaining spider flavor. Yeah, and I think, at least I know a number of people disagree, but I don't think that the scorpion and the spider step on each other's toes at all. The notion that you can't have two jerk factions within the scope of a setting. We have 
every other faction is generally presented in a positive light to, to varying degrees. I, I think we've got room for two that are generally take, seen in a negative light by the rest of the, the Empire. Let's be fair, I, I think we already have more than two jerk factions, so... Um... Well, it, it depends on... I mean, there, there are jerk aspects to, to pretty much everybody, sure. but these Scorpion are villains. Let's say villains lowercase v, right? These Scorpion are villains. These Scorpion are bad guys. Well, I mean, the Scorpion have always been the, we don't really care what you think of us, we're going to do what we think is best. Well, I, I think that they're a bit more sinister than that. I... Uh, an event one of these days we are going to have i am going to have that conversation with fred but i mean i the original scorpion as i'll call it was really like they're basically just bad guys every once in a while to some extent their bad guyness will be focused on ways that are protecting the empire but in the meantime a lot of it is just standard power politics except they're just willing to play dirtier than everybody else is but then there's other stuff for the for I, I think for the spider discussion on the other way. Like you, you see people saying, "Oh well, we never when we were the Shadowlands horde, we didn't get to interact with the setting, and we'll lose that if we go back to being the horde." And that's wrong. The Shadowlands horde interacts with the setting differently, but it interacted with the setting, and in heck, in some ways, it ended up being less different than it was supposed to be. You know, we end. The Shadowlands Horde would be the, oh, if Shadowlands wins, then whoever is in second place, their guy wins the Emerald Championship, but he's tainted, or, Whoa. you know, it's it's messed up in some way. Whereas the Spider win would be something like, perhaps unintentionally, but okay, a Spider guy wins, especially before the Spider were a great clan. It was, right. a Spider guy a wins, but... wins who's nominally Spider. Or you have somehow some tainted guy ends up being a member of the Empress's Guard, and so it doesn't directly taint anyone else's win, but it still kind of makes everybody else look kind of dumb. And so, th can they interact in the whole, like, oh, we show up at Winter Court? No. That particular form of interaction is gone, but there was plenty of interaction with the Horde. The Horde is very interactive, right? Mm. By its default thing is messing with other people. Different kind of interaction, but very interactive. Uh, the other thing is that some people seem to be concerned that we won't have samurai anymore if we do embrace the darkness. Well, that's also, I think, based on a misunderstanding of what the Horde is. The Horde has always had samurai in it. Right, they had the Lost. Before they even had the Lost, they had uh, the Dark Moto. They had, what was, what was Voitagi? Wasn't there a whole group of that? They had the Sepulchre of Bones. Oh, yeah, he was on death. And they always just had dudes who fell to the Shadowlands, right? right. I mean, uh, <laughs> hey, who's that Kokujin guy again? Um, I think he did have the Shadowlands keyword on him. I, I don't know. but So there's that. Out of the two official paths, I would kind of like monsters to come back. So I, I guess my preference would be that they just go with Embrace the Darkness out of those, and they... You gotta have a Shadowlands Horde setting faction. Come on! Come back, Shadowlands Horde. What do you What do you want them to do, Jay? You know, I don't know. I I mean, I think my biggest concern is that it's going to end up wishy washy, where they walk the path of light, but there's still goblins and oni hanging around, or they go full horde mode, but they're still 
uh, the spider wandering around too. I, I think that's my biggest concern that they keep doing what they've been doing, which has not quite worked of trying to do both of these at once. I want to see a clean break of they go all horde all the time or they completely dump the horde, make those unaligned and go f- embrace their spiderness. I concur. I think that far more important than which option that they choose is that AEG actually makes it be one option or the other. That there's this or there's that, and that they don't, in some effort to please everybody, or at least please everybody within the Spider Clan player base, end up basically back where we started, but even worse, where all this crazy stuff happens with Jigoku being unleashed, and then by the time we're done we still just end up with some Jigoku-worshipping great clan. To me, if they end up there, like, what on earth are they doing? Yeah. Why are you going through this whole rigmarole anyway? We should then, since this will come up other wishy-washy things for other clans too, talk about the, the fan path. So every clan has two or three, uh, depending on how you number of them, official paths, but then there's the possibility of creating, uh, of doing fan-created paths. And if a fan-created path gets enough support, then it could end up on the, and it's appropriate, it could end up on the official ballot. There's been an article where the brand manager says something like, well, there should be at least well, you should send me an email linking showing me at least 50 people support this. I don't think that they mean he means that literally, and he emailed Donnie, and Donnie posted that email, which would seem to indicate that. I I really wish they would not say things and then immediately say, oh, we didn't really mean that. Right. But my working assumption has to be that they don't mean that, because some of the online player bases are so devastated that there are barely 50 people posting online as aligned with that faction, much less every single one of them actually agreeing with something. So, and that's especially true for some of the player bases that have, I think, really been eroded by a lack of appropriate story support and so it, it's it's kind of this i don't know it's not actually it's not a catch-22 but a it's, it's a kicking while you're down a little kicking you while you're down like well we've given your faction such lousy story for the last five years that you don't really have as many people online being fans for your for your for your clan and so because you don't have enough people now when we give you lousy options <laughs> or options that you at least perceive as lousy, we are now going to make it impossible for you to be able to fan propose something. And I and I think you've got two clans who are kind of in that situation. So, so hopefully won't that get that. But for the the spider, the spider have a fan proposed path, which is actually the mo- more popular at this point than either of the two official paths that they call Shurido above all. I have to say I'm I'm kind of unclear on what it is, and I think that's because it isn't any one thing. It seems to mean different things to, to different people. Which is why it's so popular. Well, yes, it, it, it means different things to different people, and is, to some extent, trying to have your cake and eat it, too. Which, like I said, I, I, I hope they don't do. Depending on what you're, you're looking at, it's, I mean, part of it is 
oh, we want to make sure that you focus on the human people and not just on the monsters, which I think they were going to do. I mean, like like the human people were not going to just suddenly go away because of this, I, I don't think. And I, at the most extreme version, there are a few people who, who basically want Shurido above all to be, oh, well, we will just not lose ourselves to Jigoku and we will still be a great clan by the time it's on. That's the most extreme mm-hmm. interpretation of it, which would, of course would be a disaster, of course, of course, it was my opinion that that would be a disaster if that's what happened, that they, again, there's just a demonstration that whoever is in charge of AEG when that, or or of L5R when that decision is made, just does not seem to get what has been going on in the story or seem to get point of what's been set out here. And there has been a leadership change, so you've already seen a little bit of backtracking. Some backtracking, some possibility of backtracking, which I kind of hope we don't see. I don't know. There's sort of a, a middle path here. I, I actually, with the your path thing, I actually originally said, and still mostly think this, that they, it's a problematic idea to have a fan path as sort of an official option. Because instead of focusing people on choosing between these paths, it has push people to some extent to come up with things that are kind of doing multiple different things at once. The paths are supposed to have a quote-unquote cost. For most of the paths, other than some of your people dying, the main cost for a lot of the paths is that this is the thing that you're doing. And I think that's the main thing, is not so much that there has to, really that there has to be a cost, because again, lots of the official paths don't have costs, as in it has to be one thing that you're doing. It can't be you're doing seven different things. Right. The the cost is not that you are losing something. The cost is that you've got a limited amount of resources. You can only focus on so many aspects of your clan at once. So you're only able to focus on these aspects. And so while you still have that other piece, it's not nearly as prominent. Yeah. So my guess is that AEG will add a Shurido above all thing in there and and what for what the write-up for that i don't know i you know because some of the various write-ups for shirudo above all are much longer than the standard format that aeg has done for these and i think that they want to have all the paths being in generally the same format so i don't know how that how that will happen it to some extent splits the embrace the darkness vote because i think most of the people who are if you did not have Shurido above all, I think almost all of the people who are voting Shurido above all would just end up voting Embrace the Darkness. So, Right, but it's hard to say for sure. Who kn- I mean, who knows? Yeah. So that's the spider. The next clan that's most immediately affected, not by the Paz, but, but just by the storyline, is the Mantis, because they cease to be a normal playable faction in Onyx Edition. The Naga are replacing them. They will have Sensei in Onyx Edition that lets you... I don't know what that's going to represent. They don't know what that's going to represent yet. They don't right, know... Right, they've been fairly vague. I mean, I even saw some amount of discussion about, is it Sensei for the four current families of the Mantis? Or is it not the Yoritomo, but the other three families? Or is it even so far as if they take the Minor Clan choice, is it all of the minor clan get senseis. Well, 
that's an awful lot of sensei. The other thing is, I'm, I'm also guessing it's it's not going to be that. At least not in year one, depending on what their official timeline is. Because the other thing that he in mind with this is that for all the fact that some of these paths are very broad choices, they can't affect any card that's in Onyx Edition. Onyx Edition is done. It's done. Like, an Onyx Edition will be done. The set after Onyx Edition may be done. A pop, I think, actually would be done before, done as in locked. It cannot be changed. Right, they're, they're definitely nearing their lock date. I don't, I mean, we're not inside, so we don't know exactly when that is, but I know from past experience that it's got to be close. Yeah, it's, it's about a year out. And even if they're making changes, they're not making big ones. So, I mean, there might be a month left, but the voting doesn't start until June. They may have some idea by looking at the, the thing. So that's, so it's with the sensei specifically, but also just in general. Each of these pads has something attached to it at the bottom that says something about how this will affect the CCG. I don't, I don't really take that seriously at all. One, because like I said, the broad strokes of of like what the clan themes are going to be for that year, they're already set. This yeah. vote cannot affect them. Two. The brand manager has on multiple occasions responded to comments by saying, well, we don't really mean that. The, the most notable one being the crane. Like, it, it doesn't... Right, they're not actually getting rid of honor, crane honor. Yeah, that's that's the big one. There was a, a similar response like that for dragon, because out of the dragon options, only one of them mentioned something about the possibility of enlightenment deck. So people were immediately like, well, and I think justifiably meaning, so... Does that mean there are just no Enlightenment decks? We, like, Dragon doesn't get Enlightenment support wait, wait, wait. if it's... Chris, let's be fair. There are no Enlightenment decks, period. I, yeah, I, well... <laughs> well, that's that's not quite right. You can do a tournament-playable Enlightenment deck. Not necessarily a good deck, but a tournament-playable Enlightenment deck. But I'm, I'm okay with that. Enlightenment is a very weird win condition. It's inherently combo, at least now that it's back to that. An instant win... Well, it was always inherently combo, but now it's back to being instant win, which means that really all the things being equal, you have to keep it on the lower power level slide because an instant win combo like that can be unfun when it's too good. It is a not a good thing to have be your overpowered deck as far as funness of the environment. But I think it's important thematically that it be there, and there are a number of players, a lot of them in my Dragon Clan, for whom it is important that it be there as an option. Even if it's not good, that it be something that they can do because they want to make Enlightenment decks. They're Johnnies, I guess, right? In, in, sure. in Mark Rosewater labeling terminology. And so even though I am not one of those people who is going to go out and play Enlightenment, I will play Enlightenment if it's actually a good tournament deck for my clan, and that's it, really. I am not going to go seek out and try to make Enlightenment decks. I'm not that player. But in the sort of look out for my clan sort of capacity, it's important that that be in there. Sure, yes. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to disparage it. I I quite I'm quite a fan of Enlightenment myself. I would love it if Enlightenment were a viable Phoenix thing, not just limited to the dragon. I'm just saying that traditionally you're right that just because of the nature of the beast, Enlightenment usually does not get full-on support like the other three win conditions do. 
Yeah, but so when, when concerns were raised about this, again, the brand manager on Facebook said something along the lines of, don't worry about the, that too much. It's just, I guess I wish that sometimes they would be more careful about how they phrase things or have a better idea, either be more careful about their phrasing things and or have a better idea of what they actually are doing. Yeah. You don't know exactly what it is from the outside, but when you have different conflicting statements by different people at AEG about exactly how things work or you have an official announcement and then a bunch of clarifications that kind of indicate that we don't really exactly mean what we said in the official announcement or you have overpromises or or things that I like I'm labeling was overpromises because they're they're big shots about this is going to happen or that's going to happen and it's it's one thing if you say that's going to happen and then you go through with it and it's one thing if you just don't say that's going to happen and so then it doesn't happen but it it becomes more problematic when you say it's going to happen and then it doesn't and especially when you say it's going to happen and then people looking at it go wow that would be really dumb if that happened and then you're like oh well we we didn't really mean it don't say it but yeah so for the mantis the Yoritomo are largely going to be wiped out is is the impression not entirely but the Romotomo will basically be shredded uh, presumably this is mostly limited to them because this is some threat coming in from the sea and the other right. Mantis families are located on the mainland. I mean, yeah, I would assume, especially because there were a couple hints before that the Sea of Shadows is going to cause some shenanigans. And Yes, yes, very much so. So the, the Mantis paths are then phrased in terms of kind of like, okay, where, where are you going to go from here? Which is fine, but I, I guess, and this is where I get back to the idea, Right, that it seems significant that there's been a change of leadership. This whole attempted revival of L5R, I, effectively, I think, a rebirth, renewal, whatever you want to call it, started publicly. It started being a thing at Gen Con. Uh, Rob uh, Vo Vox, I'm actually not positive. Vo, let's say. I don't know exactly what point he officially became the brand manager, but I you get the impression that he had been. Uh, doing it for a bit before it was announced, and then he parted ways with AEG, and Dave Dottero is the new brand manager. So these things are decisions that were not made by the current brand manager. But when he spoke to the Mantis about this, he was basically like, we shouldn't have done this. This was a mistake. We should not have gotten rid of you guys as a playable faction. And we're going to bring you guys back to being a playable faction as soon as we can. So, like, right, there will be no Mantis Strongholds in 2016 in Onyx. The next year in 2017, there will be a Mantis Stronghold again. But there's a lot of, of weird things to me in this. The first is that it feels like there should be some effort to pitch why this is cool. Even if you think it's a mistake and, like, it's not what you would have done there... I'm I was kind of surprised. Still sell it to me. Yeah, that there wasn't some effort to at least. I mean, like you got to acknowledge that obviously there are going to be reasons why Mantis players are mad about this, but th- there are presumably upsides to this, right? There's presumably a plan here, right? That's got cool things about it. Tell me about those. And that gets to the second weird thing, which is that when 
directly asked by by some Mantis players why were the Mantis chosen to be eliminated? Because when he when he talks about why a faction was eliminated, it's basically well they thought it would be a cool story and they wanted to bring back the Naga and there were reasons why the game wanted to stay at nine factions instead of going to ten. Somebody said, but why the Mantis specifically? And he couldn't answer. He said, I don't know. So I assume he's being honest about that. I don't have any reason to doubt that. This is a huge decision, and the guy who is running the company does not know why it was made, which is not running the company, but running the brand, does not know why it was made. And that seems very strange to me. It seems like if you were coming in and taking over the brand that you would have had and found out that this big, huge thing was being done, which he may have already, to some extent, know about, because he was the Imperial Herald editor. I don't know if he had any knowledge of that, but he was at least somewhat, in, you know, he's an internal candidate, that you didn't wouldn't have talked about that with CEO, right, the Zinzer, AEG's owner. I would think that he was involved in the decision to switch factions, like, because that's such a huge business decision. Yeah. I would think you would have talked to him. Some of these reasons... Or you, I, like that Reese, the lead designer, I know was involved in this. Like he had to, I mean, because some of the factors are design factors, so he had to have been involved in it to some extent. I would say that the head of the story team would have been involved, but I don't actually know that that's true. So it seems strange to me that that coming into the company and knowing you're going to have to make this announcement and knowing you're going to have to talk to the Mantis players about it, you would not know why this decision was made. Partially because I would think that you would need to know why the decision was made so you can help the Mantis players try to talk to your customers about why there is cool potential here. Again, not not that you're going to go in and say, oh, I don't understand. Why are you guys irritated? No one would care if their faction was removed as, as playable for a year. But I don't actually know that it was intended to be temporary. My guess would actually be that it was not intended to be temporary. My guess would be that they had actually decided to kill the Mantis as a playable faction indefinitely. Or if they were going to come back, it was not going to be like a you come back next year thing. And again, part of the thing which gets to a third weird thing about this was that having said that we are definitely bringing the Mantis back, The immediate question is, but a second ago, you said that there were reasons why nine factions was better than ten, like like from a, you know, game design standpoint or business standpoint. So who are you now cutting? And his answer was, I don't know. Are we going to do nine factions or ten? I don't know. If we do nine, would we be cutting somebody? I mean, you'd have to be cutting somebody else. Who would that be? I don't know. I don't know how you can go out and in advance say, we are definitely bringing you back. It was a horrible mistake, we think, I think, to to eliminate a faction in this way. And yeah. yet, I am now opening up the possibility that we're just going to do it to another faction. Right, round-robin elimination. Which clan is out this year? There's kind of a an out in that, in that it's not that he's saying we would never eliminate a faction. It was like, this is the sort of thing that, that the faction should choose. But... One, it's not like they clearly don't have any sort of notion about how they're going to have another, that some other faction is going to be given this option. Maybe they will be, but there's there's no notion about that at the moment. It seems pretty clear. The other thing is that if you actually just have a vote, no clan will ever vote to disband itself. 
which is like kind of weirdly, while I really like the path idea, again, some of the follow-up comments, they go from you are going to have to make big, tough choices to some sort of the more informal presentations come across as, well, you guys are going to pick whatever you want. Yeah. Well, and of course, too, there's there's sort of a scary thing of if they are going to have to eliminate a clan and they're it's doing it on the path, are there secretly, like, there's the crane, one of the crane options is the crane to, like, screw this, we're going to take all the culture, we're going to save it in the colonies. Does that suddenly mean, oh, the crane have left the Empire, I guess they're not a faction in Onyx 2. Yeah, that, that, that might be the worst humanly possible way to do it. Yeah. Just like, this is what the story is, that's one thing. An explicit choice, that's one thing. But to have it be like, oh, yeah, hidden metric. And so, we didn't choose to eliminate yourself. You chose to eliminate yourself. Why are you hitting yourself, Crane? Why are you hitting yourself? Right. Yeah, that that would be awful. I don't think they're going to do that. As much as I, at this particular moment, do not have a vast well of confidence in stuff that's going on, I don't think that they would do that. I, I guess I should explain that. I I am probably, not probably, I am more quick to grumpy about things that are going on right now, especially communication things, especially in the land of our big push is supposed to be we're communicating because, to my mind, AEG completely and totally fell down on the job with a thing with the Imperial Assembly last month in April, right? Okay, so first, let's rewind a little. In 2014, right, there were supposed to be these votes about, like, literally during the 2014 Kote season of what clans were going to do with the points, and then at the end of it, over the summer, there'd be a vote about, okay, which of your heroes was going to become what? And that did not happen, obviously. Late in 2014, that started getting slowly rolled out. So... In October of 2014, I believe, the Dragon had voted for which of their nominees from the Kote winners was going to be their guy who would become a minor fortune of one of the Bashuda Virtues or become a Temple Guardian. And the winner of that vote was Miramoto Satsu, which, again, if you know me, is a big hooray for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's right, he's going to become a, a Bushido Virtue. Because the, the assumption going in is that everybody is that being one of these shrine guardians is of the, the one of the guardians of the shrine of three dynasties is a chump prize compared to being a minor fortune of Bushido. Unless you're the spider and then you kinda have a reason to not want to be a minor fortune of Bushido. <laughs> what? Why wouldn't they want that? Yeah. Anyhow, I well I mean maybe some would, but you know, the obvious reason really wouldn't. But so other than the spider, that would kinda be what pointed. And that that wasn't really considered a serious problem because the spider had done really badly last year, so they were going to be on the bottom of the pecking order anyway. Hmm. First, they just kind of stopped actually announcing when these votes were coming up. So, in April, the vote came up for what What do you, Dragon, want Miramoto Satsu to be? They, it hadn't even been announced that Satsu had won. This is how people found out. And there were, I think, two or three Bushido Virtues left. One of them was actually Sincerity, so that was okay. But here's, so here's the thing. It wasn't announced. Then, when somebody came onto the Dragon boards and said, Hey, I noticed this in my Imperial Assembly there were a whole bunch of us who went to vote and couldn't because the Imperial Assembly website wasn't working properly and the accounts were not working properly. And so there were several people, including myself, who emailed AEG 
I never got any response about this. Other Dragon Clan players, to the best of my knowledge, never got any response about this. This was brought up on the Dragon Forums, which, of course, nobody from AEG actually visits the Dragon Forums. The brand managers even made an account there. So nobody responded on the Dragon Forums about it. Nobody responded in a pertinent time frame on the AEG forums about the in the dedicated thread for you know issues with the Imperial Assembly. The community uh, Aki, the community organizer outreach guy, after the fact, finally responded and said that he was going to try to get some response from AEG. Never happened. And even he did not say anything until after the, the voting was over. So they eventually, later, like a week after this vote ended, and this, this took place over the course of like two weeks, no response whatsoever of any sort from AEG while this Imperial Assembly vote is going on, where the Imperial Assembly website is not working, where people who had paid money, we'll get more into this in a second, to be Imperial Assembly members were not getting what they were supposed to be getting. And I note where the current brand manager for AEG, for L5R, is the guy who used to be running the Imperial Assembly website. And that, frankly, pisses me off. I understand, like, if there's an issue and you can't figure out to fix it, like, stuff happened. But the complete and total lack of any customer service response to our thing is not working, an email back saying... You're right. It's not working. We're working. Like, we're trying to get it fixed. At the time, no response. After the fact, no response. I know sometimes we get into, like, we overly care about the details of the story sort of things where, or we can get, you know, too grumpy too easily. But, like, this is just basic customer service and not, just not doing it at all. The other thing that I found out, it had been announced, either I'd forgotten it or I hadn't noticed it in the first place, but right, Imperial Assembly memberships have kind of existed for years at this point because they weren't providing anything. And I never really cared, right? At some point I paid for the Imperial Assembly membership and it was on indefinite hiatus until whenever it was they got the Imperial Assembly going again. It wasn't counting down or anything, so that's fine. I Sure, AG eventually will get it back on the, off the right. But at the beginning of this year they started the clock again on people's Imperial Assembly memberships. So if you have an Imperial Assembly membership since the beginning of the year, you've been paying for access to the Imperial Assembly. Despite the fact that they have posted, until these thun- until the Thunderous Acclaim previews, they have basically posted absolutely no actual Imperial Assembly content. And despite the fact that they have not sent out promos like they were supposed to do and like they promised that they were going to do. Once they turned back on, they turned the clock back on on the Imperial Assembly memberships. Now, starting in June, we're going to have these clan votes of enormous import. I mean, to the extent that anything with L5R is actually of enormous import. And so this kind of brings two issues to my mind. One is, really, you're using the Imperial Assembly, which you apparently cannot seem to maintain in working order for these votes, and which you apparently are unwilling or unable to make any public comment on your inability to make it work. That's slightly inaccurate. They actually did, after the dragon voting was done, they did publicly acknowledge that it was broken at that point because people were complaining that the they were not going to be able to log on to do cards for Koku because there was a new thing. And so that that's when it got fixed. But prior to that, nothing. 
the other thing is, because I'm now in a grumpy mood from all of this, <laughs> is that I kind of look at it and go, so wait a minute. You are running down the clock so that pretty much everybody who had an old Imperial Assembly membership, their membership will have expired by the time these votes come up. And now you want me to give you more money. And I like the Imperial Assembly is not particularly expensive. It's like $15 for six months. It's like $30 for, for a year. When they're actually producing content for it, I was always happy to, to pay for the Imperial Assembly membership. And I'm not particularly concerned whether or not it meets some precise numerical dollar thing. But I am kind of ticked, already being, being already ticked about the Imperial Assembly and how they're not responding to these issues with it. It kind of ticks me off that they are running the clock down and not providing any content in a way that means so that if people want to, to participate in these initial clan votes, they have to pay AEG again. Is that actually intentional? Normally I'd say no, but I'm not in a terrible mood anymore. <laughs> so maybe. So I'll let Jay comment on that, but I guess I interject that in there because if I am, if I am quick to jump on communication issues, that is part of it because this to me, complete and total customer service failure. That really has rankled me. Right. I mean, it's one of those things. We as customers can accept that the website was down, that there were technical issues with it. That's an, a forgivable mistake. The unforgivable mistake is the complete lack of communication, the almost ignoring it, and no, the no response. The 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 fact that it's broken and we don't know why, we don't know when it's going to get fixed, we don't know what's going on. It's like one of these life skill things. When there is a problem, you can't ignore it. Right. We're we're humans. We're gonna make mistakes. Making mistake is not good, but it's you know understandable. It's forgivable trying to hide it, trying to cover it up, trying to pretend it's not there, that's when you start getting into issues where you are actually doing something wrong. Anyhow, so the Mantis, they have three official paths. They're not going to have any fan paths. I mean, they, they can, but they won't. Yeah, they got what they wanted. Well, <laughs> I mean... Well, okay. <laughs> Given their starting <laughs> position, the offerings laid before them are basically what they could hope for. What they want, yeah. So, option number one is, let's get back to where we were. Not necessarily directly where they were, but if they wanted to be directly where they were. So, they, they basically have the option to choose, through their first path after the storm, to rebuild the Mantis clan in a virtually identical form. They kind of get a replay of Yoritomo's clan war story. They get to choose, you know, they'll choose a hero of the clan who may or may not be an actual Yoritomo, who will then, you know, rebuild the clan. Because the Mantis will be, officially still be a great clan at the start of Onyx. They will just not be functional as a great clan because they will have been so crushed, is the, the idea. The second path is, I think it's called the Greater Alliance. It's sort of a super minor clan alliance. The, the Mantis... And all the families in the Mantis started off as minor clans. It started off as an alliance of minor clans. and Yoritomo's alliance. 
Yes, yeah, Yoritomo's Alliance before it got uh, absorbed in. This basically gives them the option to, as written, instead of going back, to, instead of being a great clan, the Mantis, this faction would be a collection of minor clans that explicitly a collection of minor clans, not in a figurative sense like the <laughs> like the Mantis are at the moment, but just a collection of minor clans, and possibly up to 12 of them, I think, and they would have to choose which ones to try to add, and I'm guessing for the most part, the ones that they chose would end up in there. There are some of them that there would be some sort of issue, potential issue with. For example, you've got the Dragonfly, who are historically extremely intertwined with the dragon. I imagine that if they said, yes, we want to add the dragonfly, I imagine and hope that they would then go to the dragon and say, are you okay with this? If I have anything to say, what are going to be like? No, come on, there's like ten other ones to choose from, guys. Right. My read of it is there's what, like a dozen minor clans up for grabs. If you go for all of them, you might fail on some of them. But if you pick and choose, you'll probably get all that you pick and choose of. I'm kind of skittish any times it gets into mechanics like that, because we have seen sure. nothing of mechanics or how that's going to work. Or there is, For some of these, for this whole thing generally, and for some of these in particular, there is a lot of management required by EEG, like constant communication and updating, which historically, as we've kind of been talking about with these, not just my specific thing with the dragon vote, but the fact that we're still doing votes that were supposed to happen by the end of the summer of 2014 right. kind of shows something about about the track record there. But the third option is... I don't care. I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically... It's the, man, the, it's the Mantis are now a collection of, of merchant houses, which I imagine that for a substantial number of the people who support this is, dude, we're the co-lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you, instead of being led by... Instead of being led by a bunch of samurai, your clan is now a collection of merchant houses that maybe are led by samurai, but are often just led by Haman or not or, or you know merchants, non-samurai cast merchants, and you'll come to wield political power in that. Like we said, the mantis are going to end up with one of those. Basically, there are some distinctive paths have been proposed, but they're not getting traction. So. Which of those do you th- do you think the Mantis should do, and which do you think they will do? Well, let me first say that where you're seeing that third option as the call-out, we're call-out option, I initially saw that as the we're rich, bling-bling option, which, I mean, I'll be honest, I could very highly see any of these. These are all very Mantis-y, but I would not be the... Uh, if I had to put my money down, that would be where is the money path. I kind of would like to see them Pokemon up the minor clans, though. I think that they will go with after the storm. I think that that will end up being the most popular option. I think that there will be a strong contingent for the money thing. I think that you're, uh, I don't know, being idealistic if you think it's just a money thing. For example, you should be able to guess without looking at the Mantis forums which prominent Mantis player is most strongly pushing the, pushing the money option. Uh, all of them? Dan Deneed, the EG events mm-hmm. manager. And I don't know, is Dan Deneed a big co guy? Hmm, let me think. Of course. I, 
I think that the people who want that and want it to be Kolati will not push the Kolat thing. I think that if that is chosen as the path, then at some point down the line, there will become a question of... the surprise Kolat. Well, theoretically, under the current philosophy, it would not be surprise Kolat, at least not from AEG. It would be, okay, Mantis players, do you want this to be straight-up independent merchant stuff, or are you now just a wholly-owned subsidiary of the Kolat? Not that it'll be phrased that way, but... I I kind of like the mental image right now of... uh wholly owned and managed subsidy of the Colat Empire. <laughs> Mick Colat now offering the Mantis clan. I think the other thing will be after the storm, and they will choose a Yorotomo to rebuild the clan. I think that's the most likely thing, to rebuild the clan largely as it is now. The sort of interesting thing with this, and this is where you, again, depending on how EG does this, could be potentially problematic, is the... Like like they said, if if the vote splits 60-40 or something, well, maybe we'll try to represent a split in the clan. And that could be problematic, because one, depending on how the two different paths work together, and for the most part, they don't, it kind of defeats the purpose of having one distinct thing that a clan is doing. You're now defeating the narrative thing, or potentially you could have them doing two things but doing them badly. I don't think that's what will happen. I think it'll just make things narratively muddy. But especially since you can see that with this one, if the Mantis splits 60% for After the Storm and 40% for the money thing, if you just kind of add those together, it's just like you're getting to pick both. The money thing is my least favorite. And it's my least favorite because if implemented as written, I think it would be a very difficult thing to do well because you would not be samurai anymore. You're not operating in the same political realm as the rest of the clans are, at least not without some difficulties. And it would be hard to write. Do you bunch of merchant houses have an army? They actually usually don't. They maybe have some mercenaries, but not anything that would really that could compete in large-scale battles with a clan. That's it wouldn't. It's not how it works. Although they could go back to just having lots of ships, because those just require lots of money and not nearly as many people. Mm. So you'd either have a Mantis clan that cannot meaningfully participate in inter-clan military conflicts in the same way, or, more likely, you just write stories that just completely ignore that and treat the Mantis like they were just any other clan anyway, fielding an army just like any other clan, which narratively is problematic. And also, like, why why do this big radical thing if you're just going to end up treating them like anybody else anyway? It's the sort of thing that before I would want to see that happen, I would want to have sat down with the story team and had a very lengthy in-depth discussion about how this is going to be worked out in the setting. And I would be shocked if that conversation has been had. I think that there's a healthy amount of time that these these large decisions that we sometimes heap on the story team about like why the story team did this, why the story team did that, are often actually branded decisions that the story team just kind of has to cope with afterwards. Like the spider, you know? There was a lot of people, including me, I think at the time, who basically were like, oh, Sean Carmen has had a love affair with Daigatsu for the last five years. And really, 
John didn't come up with the spider. Todd did. John did not come up with the notion of, oh, this is how we're going to do the Empire's Glory mega game, and it's going to be the possibility of the spider being just a normal old great clan while still being all tainted and stuff. That was a brand manager. And one of my, I guess, complaints about the Mantis, right with the Navy thing, has been that they are operating on a plane where they are given such dominance that it is extremely difficult, if possible at all, for the story team to write about it effectively. Because you've set up the situation, right, where nobody could beat the Mantis Navy, uh, although I'm guessing that's not going to be the case after this. I should hope not, no. Yeah. And so either the Mantis don't get to use your Navy, or you just have to like write a story where the Mantis Navy knocks the snot out of somebody else. And you can see people pushing in that way with the economic thing. The thing with the Mantis and economics already is a little bit of, I don't know, problematic really the right word, but you can see that Mantis players care about economy stuff more than anybody does. They care about money stuff more than anybody does. So even though in setting there are really other clans that should be equal to or superior to the Mantis economically, like the Crane and the Unicorn, yeah, you don't really see that because when they're writing stories for those clans, they're not writing economic stories. When they're writing economic stories, except for the occasional Yasuki thing, they're writing them for Mantis players, and so they're about the Mantis doing things successfully. You never, again, it's always very one-sided. But it, it doesn't take up a lot of bandwidth, so it's not that big a deal. But if you take an entire clan and you make that so, like, now that's their raison d'etre, now it becomes a problem again. Either you're not writing about it or you're just writing about them, like, raffle stomping over everybody else where you've created a setting where nobody can meaningfully participate in that, even though that that's not really realistic either, just like the Mantis Naval Domus is not quote-unquote realistic. But... Again, part of some of the people pushing for people for the Mantis to choose this, they're they're explicitly saying one of our goals should be to have a monopoly over the economy of the entire empire. <laughs> no, that's so bad on so many levels. The other thing that the people say is, oh, we should definitely still just be a great clan while doing this, which kind of just makes it a funky version of number one. You know, pick one. And the same thing with the Minor Clan Alliance. After presenting a Minor Clan Alliance option of basically you're a Minor Clan Alliance, you know, the brand manager says, oh, well, but maybe you can figure out how to be on this path and be a great clan anyway. Again, you're just kind of smushing two options together. Like I said, I think they'll go with After the Storm. I would like them to come up with something a little bit more different, but that's, that's totally outsider speaking. If For most clans, if they blew up the clan and then gave you the option to rebuild it almost exactly like it was... You would, except to the extent that they let you rebuild it better than it was, and then you'd do that. The one billion Koku Mantis, better than they were before, better, stronger, faster. So, I mean, I can sit here and say, well, I, I hope that the Mantis don't get rebuilt so that they have a Mega Navy again, but if they let the Mantis players choose that, they will. And why wouldn't they? Of course they would. Any clan, I mean, if you, like, if you blew up the line and then said, well, you can still have, like, the fanciest army in the land, or, you know, you could be a little bit more normal. Of course they're going to pick... Of course we're still the best generals in the universe. I mean, I, duh. The sort of best thing in some ways and worst thing in other ways about After the Storm is that it presents itself as a retelling of the story of Yoritoma. And that's a good thing in that, well, that was really cool. And it's a bad thing in that, well, well we've kind of seen that before. We did it, right. But whatever, I mean, you could tell it different enough that it would be interesting. But more importantly, that one of the other 
again, at least in my mind, lingering thematic issues with the Mantis is that when you look at like what are the defining traits of the clans, part of the Mantis's defining trait is sort of this notion of, well, we always win. Overcoming the odds, triumphing despite the obstacles laid against us, ignoring social conventions so that we win and we come out on top. Well, we always win is not really a great theme for something like this where everybody needs to lose from time to time. Right with the main the Mantis Crane War, I posited like, Crane players, don't worry, you're going to win this because it would just be too obvious for the Mantis to win. That would be obvious and boring because that's what always happens. And, and that's what happened. I was completely wrong. They just did exactly the boring, predictable thing, or at least the thing I thought was boring and predictable. And I guess I should note that while I obviously have thought that the Mantis need to get smacked around a little bit, I have at no point have advocated for them getting smacked right, around to the point that they level, cease to exist. Yeah. Uh, no, they needed to come down a peg, not have their peg pulled off the board and <laughs> thrown into the trash. Yeah, no. I agree that I was always for, okay, the Mantis need a loss. I was never, well, let's get rid of them. Go yeah, or yeah, just all the other two were dead. So I guess in the ideal universe of Chris, which doesn't matter at all, after the Storm rebuild would see a more balanced Mantis clan, even if a Yoritomo is the guy chosen to elevate the Mantis, we would hopefully see the Yoritomo be less everything. Mm. and have a bit more of a diverse clan notion. But I'd say the thing I would like to see is the minor clan thing. That's the one that has the most immediate appeal to me. But of course, it's got its own narrative things too. How does that, how does the minor clan alliance, effectively, the super minor clan alliance, how does that, even that, like that operating in the same level as a faction, is a much bigger deal than the Minor Clan Alliance has operated. There's been a Minor Clan Alliance, but they have squat. Right. And also that runs into, I mean, part of the problem with the Mantis as it stands right now is they've got these three other Minor Clans, but they've been sort of badly overshadowed by the Yoritomo to the point of they've lost some of their own individual flavor. I mean, when did the Moshi transition from very modest priests who worship the sun into navel-bearing lightning bombers that wander through the store through the waves. Because Mantis players like thunder. Yeah, pretty much. That's part of the problem with some of these things. Like, if the setting was being rearranged to how I personally preferred it, the Thunder Dragon would not be floating around somewhere acting as a giant power battery for Mantis Shugenja. But... Whatever right. he'd have it. Whatever I'd have it. Yeah. yeah whatever. What, yeah. Whatever quibble of the Phoenix would have. Whatever yeah. quibble I may have with that is just heavily overshadowed by the fact that there's a lot of Mantis players who like Thunder, right? And this this comes up with a lot of things. And to some extent, if it was there at the beginning of the game, it doesn't really cause any problems, and it causes minor problems. But it's still kind of the same thing it's always been there, is that it's a much bigger deal for whatever the clan is that's doing it. So the the Shiten Yan Wang become a formal part of, you know, the Roku-Gani cosmology, and there are some players out there who don't like that or think it doesn't make sense, but 
it's not that big a deal even to them, and it was a cool story for the unicorn. So it's just kind of how it, it works. But again, the thing you get back to is that's me outside saying, oh, it would be cool if they were the Minor Clan Alliance. Unlike most of the clan paths, we're not talking about a path that completely defines what our faction is. So it's sort of like extra meaningless that that you and I as non-Mantis players are like, oh, you know, it would be cool if you voted for your faction to not exist anymore effectively and become the Minor Clan Alliance instead. Because we think that would be neat to see. And that's, I think, the least popular of their options. Although it then did open other people up into the, the question of, wait a minute, so could we just choose as a path to hoover up the minor clans? Uh, but nobody's going to have assembled that as a uh, a thing. If the Mantis thing had been first, I could have seen a, a fan path being more of a, hey, well, the right. Mantis players don't seem to want this, so let's do it. They don't want it. Can we call dibs now? And, and again, something they could do, but won't because of the way the dynamics work out. That could be something that could happen in Onyx Land. You could start having minor clans getting absorbed back into the great clans, because there are kind of too many of them, and that could be an interesting story, but they then are kind of minor parts of great clans, whereas there are some number of people who are big minor clan fans, and I actually tend to like the minor clans. I kind of wish they'd stop creating quite so many of them, but, you know. It's the Bat Clan. It's like three guys out on an island somewhere. They have four now. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, that's an exaggeration, Chris. They have six. Uh, <laughs> well, they had six, and then one of them, you know, got inappropriate with the princess. It was a big <laughs> deal. Yes. So that's the Mantis. So those are the two exotic things. Over an hour in, and we've only covered two clans. It's like one of our monster episodes from the days of yore. And like those episodes, this one will be split into more than one parts. So stay tuned soon for Paths Part 2, where we will move into the quote-unquote normal clans with the crab. See you then. You have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can visit us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the L5R podcast feed or the whole Strange Assembly podcast feed via our website. Or if you want to subscribe to the whole thing, you can do that on iTunes or Stitcher. If you visit us on one of those other services, we'd always appreciate it if you left us a review or a rating. It helps other people discover the podcast. Uh, you can support Strange Assembly by visiting Patreon. Uh, sorry, you can support Strange Assembly by visiting Patreon.com. Uh, and you can see more information about how that works there. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Strange Assembly, or visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangeassembly. Uh, you can also contact me directly. I'm Chris at Strange Assembly. I always like to hear from our listeners and readers. But until then, for Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. I'm still waiting for my rattling path to be released.